0: Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen a notebook, in your Bible. It's time to get formed. Good evening welcome to Formation Fridays. It is so good to be with you one more time. I want to thank you because uh, you have stuck with us throughout this series. This series is about the 12 characteristics of a multiplying disciple. Today I want to share with you the fifth characteristic and this characteristic I believe it is so crucial it is so important not only to do the vision or to to grow uh you know in discipleship but also to bless you and your family to bless you uh, as a father as a mother uh, as a boyfriend as a girlfriend as a future boyfriend as a future girlfriend I believe that if you learn how to strengthen this area of your life it will bless all other areas of your life including your professional life. I know for a fact that God wants to change the world through his people, through his kids. He has given us a task, and this one task is very simple, and that is to love God and to love people. The weird thing is that religious people take two simple commandments and turn it into a thousand commandments. God simplifies it as for us not to have the excuse of, I didn't know. God is giving us an opportunity today to simply love him and to love people. That is a summary of his desire. That is what he's asking, to love God and to love people. So I want to share with you how to love God more and how to love people more. I believe they're both intertwined. Let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Dear God, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. I ask you that today, God, you would transform us. Lord, we ask, please, Holy Spirit, would you lead this time? Would you change our hearts, make us, God, better at winning souls and making disciples? Lord, would you change us, please, help us to be more loving to you and to people. In your name we pray, amen. I want to share with you the verse that we're going to be speaking about today, and it is found in 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23. 1 Corinthians nine nineteen 19-23. It says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. What an incredibly complicating, complicated! Uh, it sounds like such a hard verse to understand. It's like the law, 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 lawless, lawless, lawless. You know, weak, strong. All Paul is saying is this: I am able to adapt to my circumstance, to the situation, in order to bring people along the process to get to know my Jesus. I am able to give my rights up, my likes, my dislikes, my desires, so that I can achieve the ultimate goal, which is people knowing the ultimate love. Let me repeat that one more time. I am able to say no to me. I'm able to say no to my likes, my dislikes, my desires, for my ultimate goal, which is for people to come to know the ultimate love of Christ. a love... I absolutely love this verse. I just don't like the way it starts because it means so much to me. Meaning I love what it says. I just don't like applying it. Let me tell you why. Because of this. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. No one likes to be a slave. No one likes to be the servant. We live in a place, we live in a time where freedom is the cry of all. Where we want rights and we demand them. And rightfully so. We've been created by God. But what God is telling us today is so counter-cultural. It's completely against our instinct. It is something that it seems almost irrational. Where God is telling you, I have set you free. You are free. And now you are free to serve. What a crazy thing to think that God would pay the ultimate price for our freedom... And then Paul tells us, although I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all. Slave is a very powerful word because a slave does work for no payment. That is called slavery. When you have to do something, you're forced into labor and not receive the wages, the the right wages for it. It's a crazy concept to think that God would want us to be free. And at the same time, asks us to put ourselves at the service of others. It is not human nature. It is actually something that makes our blood boil when we feel like someone is asking us and taking something from us. It is so countercultural, but I believe that if we could understand it and we can begin to live it, our world would be so different. And when I'm talking about our world, I'm not talking about the United States of America. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, America itself. By the way, America means North America, South America, Central America. It's not just the U.S., right? I'm not talking about a continent, I'm not talking about other continents. I'm talking about your world and my world. Should we begin to live out these verses, my world would change. My marriage would change. My friendships would change. My professional life changes as I begin to have a different mindset. It is so difficult to live in real love, in true love. Because people, what we need is very different to what we expect. We expect to be served. But what we need is to be loved. Just because you are served, it doesn't mean you are loved. Some of you serve your bosses and you don't love them. Some of you serve, you know, in your household, but you're not doing it with love. God is asking us to serve with love. God is asking us to do things with the right intention, with the right heart. Why are we to serve other people? Because we love God and because we love people. What is the reason for for us becoming servants and slaves to others? It is because we love God and we love people. The Apostle Paul is saying, I have become a ransom for the freedom Of those enslaved by the mindset of this world and by the sin produced by it. Paul is saying, I make myself the payment for your salvation. What a godly thing to say. What an incredible thing to say. As a matter of fact, it reminds me of something Jesus said those that want to come after me must pick up their cross, deny themselves, and follow me. Another version says, Those that want to be my disciples must forget themselves, lose sight of themselves, and come after me. Isn't it crazy how God teaches us this, shows us this with his life, and yet we fight against it so much. You know, the quickest way to be unhappy, the best way to be miserable, is the following. Think about yourself Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious of what others have. Be overly sensitive. Never forgive a criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Demand consideration and respect. Think, believe, and act like you're always right. Pay attention if people are not grateful to you for favors you show them. Never forget a service you have rendered. Avoid your duties if you can. Do as little as possible for others. And remember, it's all about you. That is the quickest and most sure way to be miserable. God is asking us to love him and to love others, not because he needs us to love others, but because in loving other people, in serving other people, true joy, true freedom is found. It is not waiting and expecting for others to do something for us. It's saying, God, because you have given me, because you have loved me, I can now give. The best way and the only way To do the G12 vision. The only way to really win souls and make disciples. The only way to do God's ministry is through love. Any other way may work for the time, but eventually will fall apart. Any other way except through the love of God and the love of people may seem like it's giving results, yielding results, but eventually it will fall apart. If not in this world... When we get to heaven, the Bible says that there is works of death, works that seem so good, but when passed through the fire, will not make it. they will be like chaff that will be burnt up. I believe that today God is speaking a very clear message to us, and that is this. Do you have the right intention? Do you have the right investment? Do you have the right insight and you have enough independence of the world and dependence in me let me break it down in the next 23 minutes I'm going to try to do the impossible and that is to turn our hearts from ourselves to a world that desperately needs God I've realized that in doing ministry for over 20 years now it is so hard to do if you don't have the right intentions But when you have the right intentions, it into something not just fun, exciting, something that's so fulfilling, something that is so beautiful, something that I could tell you this, I can do day and night, and my wife has to literally stop me at times and say, hey, let's put it on pause because it is that beautiful. Ministry done the right way will never lack God's provision. Ministry done the right way will never lack God's support. Ministry done the right way will never lack God's anointing. The problem happens when we begin to do ministry and begin to think of ministry as something that will gratify us, something that will give us something. And that becomes our driving force. Our driving force to do ministry, and ministry, by the way, is simply the service to God and the service to people. To do ministry the right way with the right intentions is such a wonderful thing. So what is the right intention? It's found in John, 1 John 4.9. 1 John 4.9. It says, We love him because he first loved us. You know, it's weird. When I go to another version, the New Living Translation, it says, we love each other because he first loved us. I started looking at this. And I said, hold on a second. That doesn't say the same thing. One version says, we love him because he first loved us. And then the other version says, the exact same passage, we love each other because he first loved us. And as I look at this, I realize that is not a controversy because in the original scriptures, it says, simply, we love because he first loved us. Him and each other is omitted in the first and the original scripture. And that is the truth. We simply love God or people Because we first were loved by him. This vision doesn't work without genuine love. People cannot give something that they do not have. You cannot lead out of pride. You cannot lead out of intelligence. You have to lead out of love. See, when you lead from love, something beautiful will begin to happen. Whatever you sow, that you will also reap. Whatever seeds you're sowing, those seeds will eventually give fruit. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart therefore as as we have opportunity let us do good to all especially those who are of the household of faith what an incredible incredible word it says don't deceive yourselves if you sow in the spirit you will reap spiritual fruit if you sow in the flesh you will sow fleshly fruit Exactly what I'm telling you. If you sow out of love, out of the heart of God, you will reap that same fruit. But when we sow with our own agenda, with our our own angle, if we do things out of love, not from love, outside of love, it will bear no fruit. And the fruit that it bears, you want to throw it away. How do we do this though? How do we actually grow in ministry how do how do we extend our ministry how do we make sure that our ministry is effective and growing and blessing the first thing you need to know is that we do it out of love but the same, second thing you need to know is that ministry is not limited to church my first ministry is my family my first ministry is my home my first ministry is wherever God placed me. See, you have to understand that if you are one way, one in one place, and another way, in another place, you just became a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? You hypocrite! You know what a hypocrite is? The word hypocrite stemmed from the world of acting. Back in the day, you know, Shakespeare days, they, they had all these men becoming you know, these actors for these plays that they used to do. And there were some actors that needed to act like the opposite sex. So, for example, an actor would, would dress in women's clothing, would be put, they would put makeup on him, and he would come out and pretend like he was something else. And that character would be called a hypocrite. A hypocrite is simply someone acting like someone that they are not. Isn't that crazy that a hypocrite is simply someone acting like someone that they're not? A hypocrite is not someone who's struggling. A hypocrite is someone who's simply acting like something they're not. I've heard a lot of people say, man, I'm not a Christian because those are hypocrites. I don't think there's anything hypocritical about someone really trying, really going at it and saying, I'm going to change. I'm struggling and having a process. I honor those people. However, a hypocrite is someone who knows and understanding and willingly acts one way in one place. And as soon as they step out of that place, they act in another way. You see, God is asking us to do ministry always. I'd like to call you into full-time ministry right now. Somebody asked me, Pastor, when did you know you wanted to do full-time ministry? I know what he was trying to say. What he was trying to say, when did you know that you would take the leap of faith from going and making this your daily job, living from this. This is where you earn your bread. Can I tell you very honestly, I still haven't made that leap. Oh, come on now. Listen, I still haven't made that leap. Let me tell you why. Because in those terms, I'll never make that leap. However, if what that person meant was this, how did he you know you wanted to go full-time ministry means? How did you know that whatever you do will be used to win some for the glory of Jesus Christ? How and when did you know that whatever you did, whether it was selling, whether it was welding, whether it was, I don't know, fixing something, or fixing food for my family, or playing games with my kids, or becoming a friend to someone? who I may not have anything in common with. When did I know that my entire life had to become a ministry? That was the moment that I realized that I could no longer be a hypocrite. It was the moment I realized that my life had to be lived out for Christ, no matter what position I was in. Whether I was under a car with oil in my hands or in a podium with a microphone in them. Let me ask you the question, have you decided to go full-time in ministry? I'd love to ask you now to become a missionary for Christ. Your mission field may not be Africa. Your mission field may just be your house. See, if you are to win people for Christ, if you're going to do this effectively, you have to realize that your life is not segmented into church and others. Your life is a ministry, and that is the truest way and the only true way to do this vision. To win souls and make disciples is very different than to simply evangelize. If I want to evangelize, I could stand on a podium, have great music, prepare a great message, and invite people to come to the front. But if I'm going to win souls and make disciples, I'm asking people to come to my house. I'm asking people to get to know my life, to get to know my wife, to get to know my kids. You cannot win souls and make disciples unless they walk with you. And if they walk with you, they will know you. You know what happened when Jesus asked his disciples to come after him? They knew him. They saw him eat. They saw the way he dealt with his mother. They saw the way he dealt with his siblings. They saw the way he addressed his enemies. They saw the way he managed finances. They saw his life. This is why this vision is so difficult for some religious people. And they attack it and they get angry. I have seen people live out the vision, go out and win souls and make disciples. And the moment sin overcomes their life and overcomes their heart, they get angry. They get enraged against the church and the vision. Let me tell you why. Because it exposes their unwillingness to give up that which is hurting and destroying the ministry of God in their lives. Because you cannot be a hypocrite and be happy. It is so difficult to win souls and make disciples from an arm's distance. It is so hard to have people truly and genuinely be loved by you unless you get to know them. The weird thing about it is that it's a two-way street. As you get to know people, they get to know you. To hide yourself and to pretend that your ministry is going to somehow flourish. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't know about you, but I'm not that good a preacher. I cannot preach enough from here. I have to bring people in. I pray that I never become that good a preacher. To where people and multitudes are simply drawn to a word. They have to be drawn to a life. And that is your and my goal. See, Christ would offend people with his words, but his life gave them something that the Pharisees could never give them. It takes investment. It takes paying a price. It takes being inconvenienced. It takes saying, my time and my resources must be spent in other than myself. I cannot tell you how many times I had to decide to stay home with my family because things were going on in people that I love. See, something weird happens when you decide that your life will be a full-time ministry and that is that you begin to value other people in such a way, not that it devalues your life, But that it puts things in perspective and it makes you wonder is this the best way to invest my finances? Is this the best way to invest my time? Is this the best way to invest my strength? You want to grow in ministry? You want to have your 12, your 144? You can't do it with selfishness, you can't do it with closed doors. You can't do it measuring your gas and your mileage. It takes investment. This is where I drop off half of Christianity. This is where half of Christians in the U.S., man, half, seven-eighths of them, will say, screw that, forget it. This is too hard. I'll just go to church, pay my dues, and feel better about myself. Most people in this world, and I'm not talking about non-Christians, I'm talking about believers. They believe in God. They just don't believe That the people that God died for are worth their time, their finances, and their effort. In order to invest into people, you must value them so much first that other things in comparison are not as valuable. Can I ask you a simple, simple question? Are they worth it? Is she worth it? Is he worth it? Is that person worth my time? Is that person worth me clicking the green button and not the red button? Because what I'm doing, as important as it is, has to be put in a scale, a weight balance. Is this person worthy of my honor and my time? My wife constantly asks me for something and I constantly offer it and give it. And that is time. You know, the more I give time to my family, (laughs) I realize it is the best investment I can do to my first ministry. I have to balance it. I have to make sure that if I take time away from my kids and my wife, it's going to be invested into the right place and the right people. Let me put it like this. The people I spend time with and the phone calls I answer and the people I call, It's not because I have extra time, but because they're worthy. They're worth it. They're valuable to me. Because I believe that what God is doing in their life is so beautiful. I want to be a part of it. The right intention is simply love. How can you do this? Because you first were loved. Invest into people. We need to see people the way God sees them, as something worth dying for. Let me repeat it again. We need to see people as God sees them, as someone and something worth dying for. It's worth giving a little of our freedom in order to give to others the ultimate freedom. It's worth it to give a little bit of my freedom in order to give someone else the ultimate freedom. Now, I know you cannot save someone and I cannot save someone. But salvation is in Christ. And if we can simply show and point people to the King, the Christ, the Savior. And they will make their own choice. We cannot force people. I've heard it before and you heard it too. You cannot make the horse drink. You cannot force a horse to drink the water. You can lead them to it. And you can make them thirsty. I ask you one, or, one more question. And that is this. Why should we do this? Now you say out of love. But now is how should we do this? How can I do this? Pastor, I want to love people and I want to love God. I just don't know how. I don't know how to begin. I don't know how to continue. I don't know how to do this. First thing you have to understand if you're going to do this right, like I said in the first part, is the right way, meaning the right heart, the right intention, the right investment, and with the right insight. Sandu Sanders told a story, and I thought it was really cool. I don't want to butcher it, so I'm going to read it to you. A Hindu convert to Christianity, Sandhu Sandhu, became a missionary to his people in India. Late one afternoon, Sandhu was traveling on foot through the Himalayas with a Buddhist monk. It was bitterly cold and the wind felt like sharp needles slicing into his skin. Night was fast approaching when the monk warned Sandhu, that they were in danger of freezing to death if they did not reach the monastery before dark fell. Before darkness fell. Suddenly, on a narrow path above a steep precipice, they heard a cry for help. At the foot of the cliff lay a man, fallen and badly hurt. The monk looked at Sandu and said, "Do not stop. God has brought this man to his fate." He must work it out himself. Let us hurry on before we too perish. But Sandu replied, God has sent me here to help my brother. I cannot abandon him. The monk continued trotting off through the whirling snow while the missionary clambered down the steep embankment. The injured man's leg was broken, and he could not walk. So Sandu made a sling of his blanket and tied the man on his back. With great difficulty, he climbed up the cliff, drenched by now in perspiration. Doggedly, Sandu made his way through the deepening snow and darkness. It was all he could do to follow the path, but he persevered. Though faint with fatigue and overheated from exertion. Finally, he saw ahead the lights of a monastery. Then, for the first time, Sandu stumbled and nearly fell. But not from weakness. He had stumbled over an object laying in the snow, covered on the road. Slowly, he bent down on one knee and brushed the snow of the object. It was the body of the monk frozen to death. Years later, a disciple of Sandu asked him, What is life's most difficult task? Without hesitation, Sandu replied, To have no burden to carry. To have no burden to carry. What is life's most difficult task? To have no one to put on your back. I've realized that it was this heat of exertion and the other person's body heat that kept this man alive, right? I know that sometimes in our Christian walk, we feel that if we could just receive enough, if we could just hear another word, if we could just pray another prayer and sing another song, somehow we'll be just fine. And I can tell you by years of experience and walking with my Lord that it is not always that. Sometimes what gives us strength, what encourages us, what takes us to another level is becoming spiritual parents. How many times have I heard a father say, I am tired. I don't want to go to work. I feel devalued. I feel like I don't have enough yet they keep on going yet they keep on pressing through they recover strength they rest and keep at it let me tell you why because they have someone on their back because their kids have to eat because their wife must be provided for how many times have i heard marriages fighting through the worst problems because those kids need us how many times have I heard leaders say, Pastor, I'm struggling, but God gave me a word. I was preaching in my cell group, and that word changed me. I was sharing it for them, but it changed my life. See, you see, when God asks us to love others, it is because he's wanting to provide through us, and as he provides through us, it first has to come to us. God keeps nothing. He gives everything. I want to tell you lastly, and I want to finish with this in the last two minutes and 30 seconds that I have, that if you're going to serve, if you're going to do this relationship thing, it's going to take investment of time, of resource and strength. But it's also going to take a dependence, true dependence in the love of God. Independence From the love of people, and now don't get me wrong, it is beautiful to be loved. But you have to have your own oxygen tank. If you're going to do discipleship right, if you're going to multiply, if you're going to grow, I got to warn you, people will let you down. Not because they hate, not because they're horrible, but because we are people. As human beings, we are the most imperfect product, most unpredictable product. The key to revival and the key to survival has always been the same. Rely in Christ's love. It is a commandment to love people, but it is also a commandment to love God. See, when you rely on the love of God, when you have a lover's relationship with Him, it'll be so much easier to give, to give, to give, because your source is not the one that you're giving to your source, is the Lord. I know that sounds easier said than done, the Bible says that no one has greater love than this, the one that laid his life for his friends. As you lay your, da- your life for your friends, as you lay your time, your effort, your resource to love people, you have to do something. If you're going to have strong relationships where you sacrifice, where you invest, you have to find a place where you get and receive. And that is always in the presence of God. If you don't know how to practice the presence of God, I want to invite you now to ask God to meet you there, to find yourself alone with him. Can I ask you seriously, when was the last time you poured your heart out to God? When was the last time you spent time in prayer and in worship? If these are foreign concepts to you, I'm going to invite you to do something. Set up an appointment for God. Tell him, God, I would love to meet you in this place at this time. Set up the mood, just as I do with my wife, if I want to have a romantic night. And simply set up the mood with God. Say, God, this is just you and I, no interruptions. We will have some time of intimacy. I will not expect for you to move the way I want you to move. I will simply expect for you to be present. God has never let me down. He has never disappointed me. I haven't always felt the manifestation of his presence. Don't have always seen the strength of his companionship. I have not always felt, and I have before though, some exhilarating, beautiful, emotional, and I tell you, even in the body, his experience is beautiful. But more than that is the strength, the word, the endurance that comes from a love that is not of this world. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God gives us the ability to give, to become servants to other people. Why? Because our dignification, our dignity doesn't come from what we do. It comes from who we are. And if you are a child of the Almighty King, the Most High God, service is what we're made for. We're made to serve, not to be served. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I ask you right now that you help us, God, as a church, to give and to give continuously. Lord God, I thank you because I know that you loved us so much that you gave your only son. Help us to be that way, to continually give. Give our time, give our effort, and give our resources. Lord God, we want to love the way you love. Not the way we want, but the way you want us to love. God, I ask you one thing, that everyone in CFF, every disciple of CFF, God, will be genuine in ministry that it will begin in their homes and spill out to the rest of our lives. Dear God, help us. Please give us a heart of compassion, a heart of love, where we see people the way that you see them. Dear God, help us to love you just the way that you loved us and to love other people in that same way. We love you so much, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Dear CFF, I pray that you grow in friendships, that you grow in your ministry, that everything around you flourishes, that as we continue on this journey, that we see the fruit, the fruit of love. See you guys.